Welcome to the Muscle Science for Women podcast. I'm your host, Ashley. Here's your other host, awesome host, Rachel. And we have a special guest today, which is rare because usually we're just <laughs> coming on here and ranting uh, to each other. Oh, but shit. now we get to rant with someone else. Brie Lamb is joining us and we are going to introduce her and talk to her and learn from her. But first offline. We were just getting ready to dive into some very juicy gossip and we decided to press record. So we're going to do that first. Then we're going to talk about like the meat, no pun intended of our chat today. Does that work for everybody? That sounds great. Okay. Okay. Works so we're talking about the topical news that the liver King has, I don't know, just been outed for like using as many performance enhancing drugs as a human being possibly could without exploding. Okay. Can I, I, can I just start? Because I actually have a history with ancestral supplements. I don't know about you guys. Like, you know, this Rachel, like, um, not necessarily anymore, but first of all, no one in the world is surprised by this. No one. There's literally no one. We were anticipating it. In fact, we knew it to be true. We knew it to be true. The only thing I think that really upset or irritated most people um, about, I mean, there's probably a lot of things irritate people about him, but it was that he didn't talk about it because from my perspective, his audience, the type of people he is speaking to steroids, growth hormone, all this performance enhancing stuff. That's so commonplace. And so not taboo that it, it made no sense that he would never, ever talk about it and that he would purposely avoid it. Mm-hmm. And the thing that irritated me from an ancestral point of view, because I believe in organ meats, I believe in high protein, I believe in all these things. It like gives the naysayers an excuse that we're all hacks now. It's like, well, look at this fucking Absolutely. guy who's like, oh, you know, this is just me being in the sun and eating liver, but really he's like geared to the gills. It's like, the other stuff is still good. Just listen to the normal people. Listen to the normal people, not the crazy people. But so I used to be like, I used to work with Ancestral and I will still say for my part, from what I know, that company's products are good. And everyone that I've ever worked with um, personally at Ancestral has been friendly, transparent, awesome people. I've never interacted with Brian. And at the very beginning, I remember like way back in the day before he did his like viral fame thing, I was like, Hey, I'd like love to have him on the podcast to talk about the company. And they were kind of like, yeah, he's not really like into that. I was like, all right, fine. And then he, you know, (laughs) did what he did. Um, but okay. So that's, that's basically what I had to say initially, but it's just like, I think the bigger issue, and this is a conversation I want to have on the women's side too. The bigger issue that I have in this like health world is the lack of transparency because we are in a new age where we're, it's, you know, we're allowed to do whatever we want to our own bodies. It's our body, our choice, do whatever you want, take whatever you want, enhance whatever you want, do whatever the hell you want, but don't lie, don't lie or, or be obtuse about it. Like just be upfront because then it helps people make their own decisions. It helps people know what's real and what isn't right. So I just, the, the, the weird, like trying to avoid the conversation when it was the most obvious thing in the world, um, was just 
off-putting to me anyway. Yeah. And now I you guys think he avoided the conversation. Like he leaned into it and said, yeah, I don't touch the stuff. And you see on that, um, more plates, more dates, you know, clip that they created, which I thought was super informative. I thought the charlatan part was so interesting because it's so true. The other big thing that I think is not being talked about enough is the pressure to look a certain way to be in this health circle. Like it was before he got big that he started taking this year and going all in on performance enhancing drugs so that he could build the following that he wanted to build so that he could have the financial and business success that he did. And that's the part that I've, I'm sure we've all experienced this and anybody listening to this has experienced that, that in order to be a health and felt health and fitness professional, we have to look a certain way. We have to be able to train a certain way. Nobody trains the way that he does unless they're doing something. And I think I do agree that it's discounting all of the great work he is doing with lifestyle and nutrition and looking at your habits and changing your lifestyle away from what modern society has created for us. Everything's just so freaking easy now. Like I literally could do everything from my couch. But the fact that he's out there on a ranch, you know, doing all of his like nine pillars or whatever, like that's what we should be talking about. But it just is unfortunate that now there's no trust because he lied. I mean, I'm cool to like not give him any more attention. My yeah. my my beef was always like, what about all of the people who are doing this and aren't being crazy for attention? Like, I wish those people would get a little bit a little bit more play, <laughs> but, but I've, yeah. I've had to come, I've had to come to terms with the fact that I will never do things just for attention. And that because of that, I'm going to have less business and eyes on me and followers. And Rachel and I, we've talked about this. We're trying to build a business together and it's increasingly difficult in a very oversaturated, like low attention span, low engagement world. Um, and maybe we can talk about this with you as well, because you do a lot of very similar work to us. Um, but yeah, Rachel, do you have any, uh, shit you want to talk about the liver king <laughs> while we're here? I mean, I, I don't think I'm as passionate about it as you guys, but, yeah. um, I do agree. With okay. You. So, okay. That's what I'm going to say. The last piece Great. I'll say, cause I feel like this is important is that the fitness market is so saturated and for fitness and health professionals like ourselves, he felt this pressure that he had to separate himself by say, like creating this toxic masculinity around you're a primal and you're a subprimal. either you're with us or you're without us. And I think in fitness, there's already so much polarization between what's good and what's bad it just makes people feel like crap. And it's like, oh, I'm a subprimal because I'll be honest, I've never eaten liver before. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I'm a subprimal. I don't fit in. I suck. I'm not a happy. Yeah. No, that's the part right. that's hard. It's like, that's why yeah. people are afraid to go to the gym because people are separating like, oh, you're a fitness person and you're not. So. Yep. And I mean, for men, like, I don't know if we, if this is the the right time or if we, Rachel, ever want to have a conversation about like toxic masculinity and men's fitness, but I mean, men talk about us all the time. So anyway, (laughs) but you know, men are watching this and looking up to him and thinking, okay, well I'm eating, you know, raw liver in a field every day. And I don't look like you, like, what's the deal? Like, you know, and they think like to be a real man, you have to be dark purple and and bursting with veins. Like it's just, it's not, it's not. So, I mean, it's, it's with all of us. Like we talk about the unrealistic expectation that, that is put on women all the time, but I mean, it's happening with men too. And it sucks. And I, again, I think if it goes, if we can just go back to like the transparency 
um, try to be maybe, even though we've just been judging him this whole time, a little bit less like judgment, just more in your own lane, you know, like we don't have to look like this person, be like this person to be okay and be healthy. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, you know, this is the world that we live in where everything's online, everything's being compared to everything else. And we have to do something crazy to get attention. And that's, it just sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Or show your tits. I mean, that's a conversation I also want to have. Um, and we need to talk about others. We had so many other things we were going to talk about, but, but this is a similar topic. And one thing that I would love, I would love, and maybe we should do it. Maybe it's better for somebody else to do it, but I would love for someone who's knowledgeable in the women's fitness world to have a conversation. And I, I promise, and I don't want this to come out in any way judgmental. I'm curious about the interesting dichotomy with wellness and fitness with women and this idea of non-toxic culture being very aware of everything that goes into your body non-toxic skincare super healthy food getting the right sunlight blah 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 and that in parallel with the um sur- plastic surgery enhancement culture right um the question of you know, being so, so, so anal about the food that goes into you, but also being willing to have elective surgery to put foreign bodies into your body to look a certain way. I think that that's an interesting conversation that people aren't having. I think the conversation that we are having a lot is, you know, it's 2022 and women should be empowered and not feel judged about any kind of enhancement they want to do to themselves. If they want to do it, they're entitled to do that. And that's okay. Um, and that is a part of the conversation, but the idea that we, we don't talk about like, you know, if you use Windex, you're going to die in your house, but we're all putting fillers and tits and ass and into our bodies that we weren't doing before. And that, you know, that can have an impact. Like there's a whole podcast I was just listening to about breast implant illness, which can be a thing. I suppose I need to do more research. Um, it seems to be an, an issue and increasing one, I guess, as more people are getting plastic surgery, but that's an interest. Like, Am I wrong? Like, I feel like that's an interesting conversation that isn't really being had. I think with anything, it's like, if you know the risks and you know what you're up against, you're still allowed to make your own decisions. Like if your goal is to be shredded and have a six pack, but you want that freaking donut, go, go eat the donut. You know what it's going to mm-hmm. do to your goals. You know, what's going to happen, but go off, go eat your donut. Like who am I to say that's a bad decision? I think in long-term, you know, when we talk about putting things into our body. Like I've had Botox, I've had filler, my boobs are fake. And I'm still going to carefully select which foundation I use. And that's a decision I'm willing to make because I know the risks and I feel good about the risk to reward with those things for myself, you know, but Mm -hmm. I love talking about this. I mean, the conversation, it's like, we're talking toxic load, right? Like it's, it's everything we do is a calculated risk from Botox to cookies to working out too much or right. whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I appreciate you talking about it because I do think um, it's a, again, a bigger issue for women, right? Like I don't think there's a ton, relatively speaking of men getting filler and implants. I mean, it's exists, but certainly not as much Botox for sure. I mean, listen, yeah. like, you know, but still, it's definitely in cosmetic surgery is definitely still much more of a woman's focused totally. industry for sure. Um, and we might have to have a whole podcast on this. I think I we like might. I, we should. I think we might get some questions. Oh my yeah, god! I, think I should tell you guys the horror story. Horror stories of my yeah. breast augmentation. That would be 
a wild clickbaity podcast. This is the, this is part of the question too. Like, again, and I, I know so many women who have had boobs put in and all kinds of stuff and they're dear friends. And I ask them all kinds of questions and I'm so fascinated and I'm so interested, but it's just, again, I feel like we're in a society where like men aren't being asked to undergo surgical procedures to look a certain way. And, and I, I don't want to say it like you don't like, I don't want it to be like, I'm judging you because you did it. Cause I'm really not. And I really don't give a shit what other people do. I think right. that's part of why I can sleep at night. Cause I really don't, I mind my own fucking business, <laughs> but it's like, how do we jive this? Women can do whatever they want. Women can look however they want. Women are empowered and intelligent and have more rights and freedoms than they've ever had. But everybody still wants to get their face done and their tits done and their ass done. Like, it's just an interesting conversation. I don't know. There probably isn't an answer. There probably isn't like, I think this is also related to, to like the magic pill idea. Like if you told me I could have a six pack with one magic pill, you better fucking believe I'm going to take that pill. Are you kidding me? But that also, that would be our show sponsor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's the other thing too, is like, we live in a culture and a society where we all want things quickly and with body enhancement or, you know, hormone enhancement, all that stuff is the magic pill. So it's so like, what's the word? It's so tempting. Yeah. Mm. It's so tempting to like, Oh, well I could just have the butt I want by just paying a couple thousand dollars. Um, but I do think that it is something that can be really addictive and it can create a complete, a completely different level of body dysmorphia than you would already otherwise have. And that's the part yeah. that I think isn't talked about enough is that once you start, you're like, well, I've already done it. Why not open the floodgates and do everything? Mm-hmm. Because it was so easy and I feel so confident and all that kind of spiral definitely happens. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's um, a, definitely a, a valid part of it that isn't talked about enough because it's also a gray area that is subjective to everybody. Because I think all of us, regardless of what we have or have not had done, have all seen people on the street that we internally judge like, okay, you took it a couple steps too far, whatever that looks like to us. Right. But, but most of these people aren't thinking I want to, to take it two steps too far. They're thinking like, I did it and it looks nice. So a little bit more will look nicer and a little bit more will look even better and so on and so on. It's like the same with like tattoos or it's the same with leanness or whatever. It's very hard. This goes back to a conversation Rachel and I have all the time about moderation. Like it's very hard to find that balanced, moderate place in life with anything. It's so much easier to be extreme one way or the other Mm -hmm. to like, you know, just eat whatever the hell you want. Like you're going to die tomorrow or eat like you're doing a bodybuilding competition. Those are both like the extremes are like easier to live in than to find some balance that just makes sense and kind of makes you feel good. Um, Because yeah, I guess we're in a culture where we're constantly striving to keep up like liver king styles. We just want to, you know, why, why would we settle for like kind of just looking like ourselves and looking okay when we can look this much better Mm. for a couple thousand dollars or a little bit more work or, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. This this went. This we got to bring you back. We got to bring I'm you back. I'm enjoying just, just like listening here. I think um, I think we should. I think we should do the the like that. That conversation should be a whole separate one where we yeah. all have more let's, time to kind of prepare. I think that would be good. But I just want to say it. before we before we get into other topics because we were talking about 
you know, the supplement thing and how the ab pill is going to be our next show sponsor in 2023. Um, but we should, we should talk about our show sponsor, which is an organ meat supplement company, Optimal Carnivore. Um, and to my knowledge, uh, none of them are crazy wackos on the internet. So, uh, love those guys. I appreciate them. We still, you're still taking your, your optimal carnivore every day and feeding it to your puppy or your puppy wants to eat them. There you go. I love how you keep the pill case like right there. If it's not there, it's not, it's not happening. It's locked and loaded. I'm going to be taking mine with me on my Christmas um, vacation because I'm going home and I know that it's just, you know, it can be a free yeah. for all when I'm like living in someone else's house over the holidays. So I'm going to take my, uh, organ, my organ complex. That's that one's my favorite. And that's where mm-hmm. you could start Brie. Maybe if you're like not ready to eat liver, like it might be interesting if you like tried it for a little while to see if you notice any difference. I don't know. Like there it's, it's a nutrient dense thing that women mm-hmm. are kind of missing out on a lot of the time. So maybe yeah, I'm super into it. I've done, I've read the research. I know it's possible. I just can't bring myself to eat the liver yet, unless maybe Ashley, if you help me prepare it. I'm so excited. I was going to say that. Challenge accepted. I was just talking to Rachel offline about how I'm coming to San Diego at some point and she's going to make me squash and I'm going to make her liver. And so you come over and I'll do my best to make this liver palatable. We'll have a party. We'll have a liver party, yeah. a liver and Bree lives party. like five minutes away. So we need to make this happen. I literally was like, hold on. Can we go at 945? Because yeah. I drive over there. And she was like, what? That was my fault. Zoom? <laughs> it kind of would have been cute to have you both like just next to each other, like looking at well, each other. While I was thinking that originally, but then I was like, I've never done a recording in person. So I don't know like how the microphone works. I was just like, I don't want to deal with that yeah, right I'm now. So yeah. <laughs> well, next, I, if, I would like that next Ash, time. Maybe. If you come to San Diego, we can just all... Yeah. In the same room. Yeah. I would like okay. It. I would like it. I'm yeah. gonna um. Wait. I'm gonna insert muscle what? sigh. Muscle sigh. Ten percent off. Optimal oh yeah. Carnivore. We'll put it in the show yes. notes. Okay. Moving on. Yes. Moving on. Okay. <clears throat> so, I feel like we're already like half an hour into this podcast, but I want Bree to kind of introduce herself and tell our audience who she is. Give a little bit of your story, just like because I know, and the reason why I wanted to have you on. Well, there's many reasons, but one of the main reasons is because Ashley and I recorded a podcast, I don't know, a month ago now. And we mentioned like one thing about CrossFit and everybody was just like all up in arms and like panties were twisted and mm-hmm. it was just a whole thing. So I was like, oh, well, we both have obviously backgrounds in CrossFit and you obviously have a big background in CrossFit. Um, and I think that sharing a little bit about your story and how you've kind of transitioned to where you are now and just giving us a little idea of that. And then we can kind of chat about it. Great. Um, I am an FBB functional bodybuilding master coach, and I'm the coaching manager for functional bodybuilding. And I've been working for FBB for five years. I am so in love with this company and what we do. I like wake up and I'm so passionate about the type of people that we're helping the message we're sending out. Um, so rewind, this is Marcus Philly's company, Ashley, you know him, Rachel, you know of him. Um, I met Marcus when I was in college. So I rode rowing division one for university of San Mm. Diego in college. And then during that time, like sophomore to junior year summer, I found CrossFit. A friend was like, come do a CrossFit class with me. 
And I was like, that seems so intense. You know, the whole, like, it's too crazy for me. Go do a class, drink the Kool-Aid. I loved it. Came back. So then I went back to USD and we were actually a CrossFit affiliate. My college was an affiliate. So I would do my double days for rowing and then sneak into the CrossFit class at night at 7 p.m. and do CrossFit. And I did this for like three weeks, four weeks. And that was during the open. So the open is like kind of the start of the competition season for CrossFit. So I'm doing the open while we're competing in division one rowing. My coach found me and was so pissed. She's like, if you keep doing this, I will literally kick you off my team. So I was like, fine, I'll wait till I graduate. I graduate college and immediately didn't even skip a day, didn't take one rest day after the national championships and went right into competing in CrossFit. I had met Marcus a handful of times. And when I told him I wanted to compete, he was like, well, you're going to need a coach. And I was like, okay, perfect. You're going to coach me. And he's like, let's do it. So he coached me for about a year and a half. And then I moved to Hawaii and competed in CrossFit for CrossFit 808, went to regionals a couple of times. Um, made it as an individual. And then my hormones took an absolute shit and hadn't had a period in five years, was not able to sleep, wasn't able to regulate my emotions. You know, I was binge eating. There were so many things that were going on for me. And I had hired a different coach at this time because I was moving back to Marin so I could work for Marcus. And he's like, too many hats. I can't be your training partner, best friend, and your coach and your boss. So I hired Mike Lee, who was the former GM of OPEX. Um, and he's like, if you want to be a mom at any point in your life, we need to look at this right now. And I will always be grateful for him for that because this started my entire journey of holistic health and actually helping people look deeper into fitness. So then got my hormones tested, was flatlined on all female hormone, female hormones, started rebuilding those back up, acne, everything. So then I stopped competing in CrossFit and now I'm doing just functional bodybuilding and in the best spot physically that I've ever been because of that. And I'm so grateful for CrossFit because it got me into fitness, but it's been definitely a wild ride. Lots of bumps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And I think, I mean, the CrossFit part of your story is a pretty common one, which is why we talked about it. Um, and I think that it, one of the ways that it is as potentially problematic as it is, is because it appeals to athletes like yourself who get out of college. Like there's, there's some stat and I read it somewhere that like college, high school, college, like D1, or even just like a sort of high level athletes in their university years, like 80% of them do not do another sport when they get out of university, like that's it. Like their sports career is over, right? Because unless you become a professional athlete, which even then usually doesn't last very long, like most people are used to this like high cortisol, high intensity, exciting, um, you know, training regimen and like all of the things that that does to your brain. And then you get out of university or high school or whatever. And you're like, okay, well now what? And that can be a major identity problem that can be, you know, it can mess with your, your, everything physically and mentally. So it appeals, CrossFit appeals to these like hard charging, intense athletes, um, and people who want to be that, which is like my category. Um, and that can cause problems because we aren't, maybe we don't have the same level of support. We don't have the same level of like, um, coaches and people who are kind of trying to provide like balance and 
perspective and stuff like that. And frankly, we've talked about this too, Rachel, like, or, you know, like when you hit a certain age or a certain place in your life, like you probably just shouldn't be doing that kind of intensity, even if you still can, it's not ideal. You probably shouldn't be. Um, and I, I love functional bodybuilding. I've known about it since I first interviewed Marcus, which was probably like, I don't know, five or six years ago. And it really spoke to me because I'm one of the people who went from CrossFit into bodybuilding, like actual competitive bodybuilding, but I've always had like a background platform of like, things should be functional. They should make sense. Don't do it just to do it or because it's cute or because it's fun. I mean, that stuff is nice too, but like do it because it's making you stronger and a better human and better at doing human things and being healthy and being alive. Um, and I like that you mentioned OPEX because, um, like OPT, James Fitzgerald, like he actually played deeply into this for me as well. My husband was a competitive CrossFitter for a while. I was never good enough. I just like did a couple pull-ups and like walked away, but you know, I was like, I, I, I got to like a certain level and then I was like, I'm not competitive enough. Like this is good enough for me. I can ride this out. But my husband, um, competed and he actually had James as a coach for a little while. Um, and they have very, I feel like they have very similar mindsets too, of like just stuff that's functional stuff that takes into account your life and you as a whole person, instead of just who you are when you walk into a CrossFit gym. Right. Um, can you tell people a little bit about what functional bodybuilding really means and what it looks like? Yeah, actually we were an OPEX affiliate. So OPT now Mm -hmm. is OPEX, That's by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, well, OPT is still happening in Canada with Mike Fitzgerald, James brother, but we were an OPEX affiliate when we had an onsite business before the pandemic hit. And so a lot of our foundation is very closely linked to OPEX. And this was the first style of coaching that took into account the entire human being at this point, which was like, what, 2013, 14, you could get a training program anywhere. You could get a nutrition plan everywhere, anywhere. I was doing WAG and then I was doing Invictus programming. And then I had a therapist and I was like, cool, I have all these people. And then now I am your project manager of all of those things. So that's how I think about functional bodybuilding. I write your nutrition. I write your training. We talk about stressors and life events, and we just talk about overall your goals in life as a human being. So my role as a coach and all of our FBB coaches is to create the blend between doing all the right things and then being all the right things like that support your goals. So Every client we work with, everyone starts with an assessment. So lifestyle, nutrition assessment, training assessment, and then general like food and mood journal. And from there, only then can we decide what your next steps are towards your goals. And I find that piece to be the most informational and most incredible piece for clients because they've never looked at their life through a lens of what we're assessing, like movement patterns and not just what you're eating, but how you're eating and how you feel after it and how you feel the day after eating that. And so functional bodybuilding is just like a more holistic approach. And I hate using that word because it's always so thrown around, but anything that happens in your life, I care about, and it's going to contribute in some way to how we reach your goals long-term. Love that. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I have, I have a million questions. I just don't want to steamroll Rachel. If you have something you want to ask. Honestly, I am loving just like listening to you guys talk. I think you knew, I you knew that like, I would yeah. just love talking to Brie and have so many questions. Yeah. Okay. I basically am just here to moral support. My moral support. I do have yeah. one question that I want to dive into, um, but it can wait. So. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess one, just one thing that was coming up as you were kind of telling your story too, was, um, 
I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, we can get into the hormonal stuff and how you sort of improved that part, but how did you come to terms with when you decided, okay, this CrossFit thing, it's like burning me out. This isn't good for me, you know, certainly physically, but also the emotional athlete minded side. When you decided I wasn't going to compete in CrossFit anymore, what was that process like? What did you go through mentally? What did you do? How did you transition into whatever came next? And how did you, how were you okay with it? That's a question I have not been asked in a very long time. So thank you for allowing me to think about this. I mean, when I graduated college, I was not ready to face the identity crisis of not being an athlete anymore. Like working out just to like feel good and be functional was not enough for me by any stretch of the imagination. So I, and I tell you, I literally took 16 hours of rest before I started competing in CrossFit. Um, And so that was my first step. Like, I just wasn't ready. Like I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be perceived as this like strong, capable athlete. Like when people said, oh, you're a rower or, oh, you're a CrossFitter. I loved that. I fed off of that, which goes into a more therapy-based conversation. But I, I wanted that. I wanted to be perceived as that. And that is actually what kept me through CrossFit was like, I was really good and I, and it felt good to be good. Right. And it felt good to be seen and be congratulated and feel important. And so, and that's part of the reason why I stayed on, um, like team CrossFit versus going individual. Cause I wanted that camaraderie. I wanted that support. And then when I did that Dutch test and saw how bad all my hormones were, it was like the most, it's probably still to this day, the biggest heartbreak I've ever had in my life was breaking up with who I was and stepping into who I was going to be, even though I didn't want to, like, was I doing snatches for app for four weeks after that test? Of course I was, I was still trying to train and compete like I was before. Cause it made me feel important. And so when I officially stopped competing, I was like halfway through this qualifier for granite games. I was like in the top five and my coach sat me down. I was in Scottsdale at OPEX at this time. And he's like, I know you want to be a mom one day. I know, I know you want to feel good. I know how much body composition actually really does mean to you. And so when you're sitting here in my office inflamed and crying at the drop of a hat and not sleeping, we have to look at this. And at that moment, you know, pulling out of Granite Games, pulling out of the training program and seeing what I was going to be doing was so heartbreaking. Like, Oh, I'm not doing snatches anymore. I'm doing dumbbell press. Like that's so not cool. That's not sexy. So luckily, you know, I had him and I had Marcus to kind of support me. And then I went into um, keto because he wanted to kind of reset everything. So I did keto for about six months, got super lean, was basically just doing like strength breather work and some bodybuilding and I looked fucking awesome. Like I, lo- I was like, okay, actually, like I love the way I look. This training is not as hard. Like, you know, the effort was still there, but the intensity was lower. And then started this like cascade of like binging and like disordered eating patterns because I was still doing high intensity stuff because it felt good to me. But then I was eating keto. So then I was eating keto all day, and then I would like binge with carbs at night because I really, well, physiologically needed it and psychologically wanted it. So then that kind of started this whole thing. And that was actually the hardest part. That's when things got really tough. Um, but luckily I had my coach and we were able to pull out of it, but yeah, that's kind of it. Um, I think we need to make a t-shirt that says making 
dumbbell press sexy again because I think it's very sexy. I'm a big fan. (laughs) I'm a big fan of those. I think they're very sexy. I have a question. Yes. Brie, do you do you barbell squat? Ooh, well, I have huge torn meniscus and so I don't squat all the time, but I do like it. You like a squat. Okay. See, we can all we can all come together on that one a little bit. I I I joke because we had a whole podcast about squatting and we were going back and forth between it. Because I don't I haven't really barbell squatted since like right after CrossFit, probably. Um but Ashley is I like, I like a power lifting movement. Like I came, I, my like interesting full circle thing was like CrossFit to powerlifting to bodybuilding, which I feel like is almost like the opposite of a lot of people, but like, I you know, I was just like, and I've never been like a big fan of like a ton of hard work. So that's why CrossFit, like, you know, obviously I had the endorphin rush that everybody had, but I'm like, I don't want to do 30 snatches. I'm, I'm not interested. I'd rather just like bench press once and then like go home. Um, but I, again, I really appreciate your, your honesty and talking about how tough this can be and the reality that like, we all want to look good, um, be appreciated, have people tell us that we're awesome and great at things, because that's another thing that we is so important and we either pretend it isn't, or it's everything. And I don't think it should be either. We shouldn't say that either you're, you know, this like vapid person who just wants to look good and have people pay attention to you. It has to be the other side where if you stop caring about that stuff, that's that's vain to care about that, that's stupid to care about that. It's completely human and universal to care about that. So let's figure out how we can incorporate that looking good, feeling good validation into, mm-hmm. like you said, this more holistic, like, but you should also be healthy and like functional and maybe, you know, be able to have kids one day and all of those things. And, you know, I appreciated you talking about this like stark moment of what I was and what I'm going to be, because I have similarly gone through something like that with having a kid. I had a baby 15 months ago and I have been going through that process continually of like, I, I am somebody different now and I have different priorities and the reality is going to be different. And some of it's wonderful. And some of it's like, Oh God, who who am I now? You know? And I think that finding like the beauty in all of that, like it can be, you can mourn it. You can be sad sometimes and be excited other times. And I know that you, I can tell already that you have the kind of personality where similar to me, where I'm like, okay, well, I'm not the same person I was, but how do I crush this now? How do I crush this new version of whatever it is? Um, So I think that that's, that's a cool, interesting, tough conversation to have. Um, And, you know, I think you also mentioned, we don't have to talk too much about this, but the therapy side of it too, the, the, the psychological mental side of it too, that, you know, being a well-rounded, healthy person is more than just eating well and working out. And there is a huge mental component and it's good to, to recognize that. And and when people have the resources to take advantage of that too, I think that's important. And as humans, we're neurobiologically wired to search for connection. So when I was looking for connection because I thought I had to look and act and perform a certain way just to get, get connection, because that's how I did it my whole life, yeah. moving into, you know, what do normal people do? Like, yeah, we go to CrossFit class because we want the high five. Like, I want someone to say good job. I want to write my time on the board because it feels good to be seen. And I think that's what we do as coaches is I allow my clients to be seen and celebrated and understood And that's where I think 
you know, the fitness can get really lonely if you're just working out by yourself and you don't have connection to anything you're doing. And even just now, like becoming friends with you guys and being able to talk about these topics, we wouldn't otherwise be here without fitness. So I'm so grateful for it. Mm -hmm. But when people come to me and they're like, yeah, I don't care how I look. I just like want to like look good and move well for the long haul. I'm like, you're fucking lying because we all want to look good naked. Okay. Yes. Do we swear on this podcast, by the way? A lot. We swear a lot. Yes. Um, so like I, I will literally tell someone point blank, like, I will not take you on as a client because that feels like a lie. You know, it's like, you can, you can prioritize, you know, functional movement and the things that you want to achieve, of course, but don't lie to me and tell me you don't care about how you look naked. We all do. We're hardwired to look that way. And when Mm -hmm. I moved into bodybuilding and I'm sure you guys felt this way too, I started seeing my muscles grow. I started feeling that mind muscle connection. And then that became addicting and actually Mm -hmm. outweighed a large part of like needing to be seen and doing things a certain way and getting the high fives because mm-hmm. I was getting self-satisfaction from the work that I was putting in for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, that. I love that. We talk about yeah. this a lot in our, or we talk about a lot of the things we're talking about, like recovery and, you know, hormonal health and nutrition and all that stuff in the course that Rachel and I um, do together. But I mean, yeah, I mean, this stuff is all things that usually aren't covered in a typical coaching relationship. So it's cool that you're talking about this and I'm interested in what kind of clients you have, like the clients that you bring on, are they people who have sort of been through it all too? And are kind of like, I don't know what next, like what's functional bodybuilding, like, just give me something. Or are you getting like young women who are kind of like new to the fitness world? Like what kind of client men, what kind of clients are you getting? I coach people who see fitness as something that happens every day, just like breakfast. It's like, it's part of my routine. I like it. It makes me feel good. It's something that I feel aligned to. Those are the types of people I coach. I'm not going to convince you to work out. I'm, I've been doing this too long. Yeah. We've all been doing this too long. If you don't want to work out, don't fucking work out. Like leave me alone, yeah. you know, but <laughs> if you're like, I want to work out, but I don't know how, I don't know what to do. This is what I want to do. I'm willing to put in the work. That's the person I coach. The person who's willing to put in the work, who's willing to try some new things and someone who's willing to be super honest and open about feedback and how things feel in their body. Because at the end of the day, like I'm not living in their body. I can only take the information that they give me. So the clients that I coach are very communicative. They're very upfront about what they want. And even if they don't know exactly what their goal is, a lot of people will shy away from coaching because they're like, I don't have a goal. I just feel like I should work out and I want to work out. I love those people because we'll create goals based on your assessment, based on what's most important to you. Um, And then I also talk to, to, or I also work with people who are the burnt out CrossFitter. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, we coach people who are very similar to us, right? That's very Mm -hmm. common. And so I love the burnt out CrossFitter more than anything, because I can show them that they can still get a little hit of that mixed modal training and you can still do snatches and bicep curls in the same workout and actually get better results and feel better in your body. Um, I used to work with a lot of people who were CrossFitters and like wanted to compete. And those people are amazing. And I was proud of them, but I just never felt connected. Like I'd be writing these warmups for qualifiers. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't care. So now I just coach people who want to look good naked, who feel like they have a connection to fitness. That's beyond just like, I should do this. Like it actually feels good for them. It's something they look forward to. And then people who are willing to go 
deep and internal about really what fitness means to them and how they can be a better person outside of the gym by going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have another question and then I promise I'm just going to shut my face and Rachel, no, you got to ask a go. question because I, I feel bad. I, I okay. think you but, are asking the questions that I want to ask anyway, and you're just better at it. So just, just no, know. no. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, okay. But this is a bigger conversation. I, I want Rachel, I want you to weigh in on this too, because I feel like one of the cool things about the work you and I do together, we obviously have many similarities and, and similar mindsets on things, but we're in slightly different places in life and have slightly different approaches. So I'm really interested in your thoughts on this too. Um, but you talked about creating goals with your clients mm-hmm. and I, uh, just listened to, and I was discussing this with my, um, fitness nerd husband, this podcast with James Fitzgerald. And he was talking to, um, some guys, it was a podcast. that's like, you know, a little more like young and bro like people who are still a little bit more in the CrossFit Kool-Aid stage, but new enough to know that James is like a smart dude. And he like, knows what he's talking about, even though he's gone a little yeah. recently, just with how much he pontificates about fitness, but. Okay. So this is a anyway, conversation that I want. This is, this is good. This is where I'm going. So he was basically saying, and I, I can't talk about like how we got to this part, but he was basically saying that like goals are bullshit. Mm. And he was saying that, you know, we need to stop like enabling clients with these like shitty goals that create a cycle of like, okay, we'll get there in three months. And then, well, now we got to come up with another goal. And if you mm. don't have a goal, there's no point. He was basically saying like, we need to stop prioritizing like sexy, fun goals and teach our clients that health and wellness and just living well and being a functioning human is more important. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a nice idea, but realistically, that's not how human psychology works. Also, I, I bristled a little bit, even though I I agree with so much of what he says, I bristled a little bit about this, this particular opinion, because it's another one of those, like he was able to kind of go do it and live it. And now he's telling people that like goals and hard work and like being super lean and working super hard is stupid because he already got to go do that for himself. And now that he's in a different place in life, he's, you know, older and has his kids and he's got this great business and he's working with clients and he's in a stage of life where what he's saying makes more sense. Yeah. But the reality is there's still an infinite number of people in their twenties and maybe thirties too, and whatever, who still want to crush hard goals and still are like after that kind of, you know, excitement and sexiness. And to just say that that's stupid and you should just care about being healthy. Like that's not realistic and it's not helpful. And it's also not helpful to client or to coaches who have to take these people. And so if people are coming into them and I need work and I need clients and I'm trying to help people. And if I tell every single one of them, like your goals are stupid, don't have goals. Let's just work on being healthy. And they're like, okay, never mind. I'm just going to go to somebody else who will help me with my goals. Yeah. It's just that I just felt like it was a conversation that like, I get where he was going with it, but it's also like, that's not necessarily a realistic thing. So thoughts. It's giving me um, Vince Vaughn and Wedding Crashers vibes where he's like, if you don't set any goals, you'll never be upset because you'll never not reach them. Like, yeah, I mean, that's what that. it's giving me right now. Um, yeah. To be honest, I do agree with some of that stuff. And I also think that, like you said, human psychology, we need things to work towards in order to keep focus and urgency towards something. So even if like, I don't give a shit if I'm 14% body fat or not, like, no one sees that number on the paper, but you and my, you and me, 
Like, but I do want to not think twice about when I put on a bathing suit in August. I don't want to think twice if I look good naked when I'm having sex with my partner. Like these are deep psychological things that people don't talk about enough. And so by having just a conversation about goals at all opens up the door for some deeper investigation of like, what's really matter? What really matters to you? Everyone has a why and everyone has a purpose. Not everybody has it in three sentences written down on a paper, but we all have that. And so by talking about what's most important to people, even if it is 14% body fat, okay. Like aesthetics means something to you. Mm-hmm. Your appearance means something that's going to help you get somewhere or yeah. I mean, I think with every client at baseline, we all want to look good naked. Right. So mm-hmm. like, even if like, we don't have a specific metric attached to that, we like want to feel good in our bodies. That means injury free. That means strong. Mm-hmm. That means capable. And maybe that means lean and your favorite Lulu shorts fit you with a shirt off. Great. But at the end of the day, if, if a client comes to me and they're like, I don't have any goals, I get super excited because then we can create them and I can investigate deeper with them. And every Mm -hmm. client I set goes through an assessment. And so our physical assessment is textbook OPEX from 2017. Um, And every time they do a new CCP, I I take it. This last one, James has gotten a little freaking wild and they had to like take him off from doing like the calls because he was just like going off on these tangents. We're like, are we talking about tempo anymore? Or are we talking about something else? Mm-hmm. So um, like say if a client can rear foot elevated split squat, eight reps at a third of their body weight, but they can't do six with for a press, then okay, we need to work on your pressing strength. So structural balance is a huge theme for us with all of our programming, everything we talk about. And so I want to make sure that every client can do every movement and can do it with a strength percentage that is relative to their body weight so that they can do the things they want in life. And it's just easy. It's like, I don't really care if you can split squat the third of your body weight, but like, it feels good to get there. And if I tell you, Ashley, you need to do this every single week for the next six weeks in this training cycle. So we can cross this thing off our list. It feels good to like helps. Yeah. Yeah. It just like helps to be like, Oh, I'm doing these split squats. Cause I have this goal and not just cause I fucking hate split squats and I'm doing them again. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that's where goals can get really exciting and can use and can create an excitement around fitness that people otherwise wouldn't have. Like when you go Mm -hmm. to a bar class, you're not like, Oh, I want to do 15 plies in a row. It's like, no, that's what's so cool about strength training. It's like, there's numbers, there's progression and yeah, there's an endpoint that is never truly an endpoint, but you always can yeah, have somewhere to get to. Can we all go to a bar class together sometime and see how excited we can get over it? Oh my God. Have you ever gone? No, I can't <laughs> I even do, I can't I even do Pilates. My friend made me go to a Pilates class again, getting judgmental here. My friend made me go to a Pilates class and I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. And I hate it so much. Okay. Anyway, I don't want to go into that, but just to respond, Brie, like, I think it's also about meeting clients where they are, because even if from my perspective, I think that their goal is either I don't know, silly or stupid or repetitive because they've done it a million. Like if it's, if I'm thinking like, "Mm, that's not the best goal, but if it helps me get to know them better, if it helps me get to understand what's important to them. And if I can like sneak in the real life functional, this is going to make you a better functioning, healthier, happier human under the guise of helping you reach your goal. Great. 
Like, I think I, yeah, I'm seeing like a little bit with, with James and he's just like, he's been doing this so long and he doesn't have like the patience and he doesn't have like maybe the bedside manner anymore. And he doesn't give a <laughs> shit. So he's just like, your goals are stupid. Whereas like the rest of us still working on like one-on-one clients that need to like, I don't know, we we're not maybe doing as well as, as James and we don't have the liberty of being like that. We can, you know, just have a little bit more of like a, it's a, it's a semantics thing. It's like what your goal is, I'm going to take it and, and use it to make you healthier. You know, yeah. Doesn't, anyway, yeah. Rachel thoughts. Yeah, no, I was going to say it's what we always talk about too. This is something like when it comes to goals, at least for me, what kind of gets me excited when a, a client comes and they're like, okay, I have this. And this is the most, you know, obvious. And we talk about this all the time. Like I want to lose body fat, right? It's a woman, right? I want to look naked, lose body fat. And I'm like, okay, well we can go that route. But like, how many times have you, how long have you been trying to do that? Like how many years have you been trying to lose body fat or have you successfully done that and gotten to a point where you're like, okay, like I don't look the way that I want to look. And then it's like, all right, let's, let's focus on actually not being in that scarcity mindset and not being always trying to diet and let's flip gears and, you know, understand what actually changes your body composition. Right. Cause this is what we talk about with this podcast all the time with our muscle science program program. It's like, you are not building the shape of your body by just constantly restricting yourself. Right. And so that's where I get excited when I have like a female, I only work with females mostly, that comes in like, I like have this goal of losing 20 pounds or whatever, but I'm like, all right, well, have you done this in the past? How's it gone? And they're like, oh, like, yeah, I did it. And I I didn't look how I wanted to. And they're like, okay, well, there's a reason for that. Um, so I don't know, just speaking to goals, I guess it's like, okay, I think it's super important to have goals, but I think having a coach to help guide you through that and actually help you to realize what your goals actually are. Cause they might be different from what you think they are. Um, yeah. I think that is super important and that's like kind of what lights me up, especially when it's from goes from, okay, let's stop restricting and let's actually like build some fucking muscle and then see what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you nailed it. Like a lot of people think they want to just lose weight because that's what we've been told, especially like us nineties kids, like oh, you just need to like lose weight and be smaller. And the reality is, is like most of the clients who say that really want to recomp their body, right? Like they actually don't care as much about the weight, the number on the scale. They do care about how their body looks. So, you know, I tell clients all the time, it's like the amount of calories that you eat will change, will dictate the size of your body, right? But the type of training you do and the type of you know, care you take for your body, that's what determines the contour of your body. And most of us want to be contoured a certain way. Like, I don't care about the size of my body, but if it looks good and I feel toned, that's different. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the women that I've coached, it's like, oh, you want recomp? No. Okay. No big deal. We don't have to go into a 20% deficit. We just need like a 5% deficit and some really good progressive overload. Mm -hmm. And that is like so freeing for so many and men included, I coach a lot of men too. And men do have a lot of body dysmorphia and have been taught a lot of things that are conflicting, like be strong and be big and be powerful, but then also look really lean to have a six pack. So then you have these like people running around all skinny fat. Cause they're just like doing cardio and not eating enough food. And it's like, you're not, yeah. 
Whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, we can go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I, I'd love for you to talk about, because I was going to ask you, like, what do you see as the biggest challenges or things that your clients are either believe myths or whatever that they believe that are limiting them. And I'd love for you to kind of talk about for men and for women. And if it's different, because it does seem like they're, we're kind of like mirrors, like, you know, different sides of the same coin, right? Like dudes are trying to get bigger. Women are trying to get smaller. We're both possibly doing it in different ways because the realistic the expectations are unrealistic, but yeah, you, if you could speak to that. I mean, are dudes trying to get bigger and are women trying to get smaller? Yes. But in reality, most of us want the same thing. And that's something like I specialize in body recomposition. That's the thing. I very rarely put people into large caloric deficits just to shrink their body. Like if that's their number one goal and they're like, no, I actually want to lose 30 pounds and I don't care what I look like. I just want to be smaller on the scale. I'm not probably going to work with them. And it's very far and few between that. I work with people who want to like actually mass unless it's a goal of recomposition long-term. So, you know, I think we've been spoon fed so many conflicting ideas and especially with how saturated the market is with social media and with all different types of fitness being out there. It's really hard to sift through and really find what the true best step is for someone. And that's actually, I think our role as educators, as coaches is to help these clients navigate the bullshit that's out there, right? This is how we started the podcast. It's like, am I going to get a six pack by eating liver? I don't know. But I think the number one problem that people come to me with is that they have lack of control around their diet. They're inconsistent with training and don't know why and are not having fulfilling lives for one reason or the other. So with every client I work with, we start with protein, (laughs) we start with sleep and we start with walking. Like I don't care if you're doing an eight rep max split squat at whatever the fuck, if you're not walking over 7,000 steps a day, that's where we're starting. Like, yeah, you'll do the workout, but we also need to like work on steps and we'll create ways to do that. If you're not eating at least a gram of protein per pound of body weight, that guess what your macros are protein. That's, that's where we're starting. You know, it's like, I'm not going to give you a macro prescription to you can show me and yourself that you can eat enough protein to satiate your body and stop these sugar cravings and stop this, you know, nonstop cycle of feeling like your body shape isn't what you want. Um, I forgot the original question. So could I have that again? You, you need to be a spokesperson for the muscle science for women. Honestly, I think you're going to be a repeated guest because (laughs) I knew you guys were going to hit it off. Like, yeah, it feels so good here and watch talking about like the dopamine hit of like doing well and having people like tell you that you're great. Like nothing feels better to me than when like intelligent, educated people in this world, like yourself say things like just eat more protein and go for walks. It just feels so good yeah. right here. It feels feel so good. I knew, I knew it's I like, know. that's, it's like, there are times when like, I have co- like clients and like, they're paying me and I tell them that. And I'm like, I feel like, I feel like you paid me for more, but like, this is the answer though. This is actually the answer. So like, just hear it, please hear it. Anyway, that just, it just makes me happy because I mean, it's at the end of the day, like we can make this as complicated and intense and detailed and, you know, whatever as we want to, but the simple things will always be important and relevant to every single person. And it just, you can't say it enough. It, it bears repeating until people hear it. 
I think the other thing that people don't talk about enough is that everyone thinks fitness is expensive. Like it's mm. really expensive to eat healthy. It's really expensive to have a coach. It's really like, why? Like you could biohack and carb cycle the fuck out of your life and probably get what you want. But what if the free thing or the thing that's inexpensive is actually going to get you there? It may not be like as quick and as sexy when you tell your friends at happy hour, but like, it's going to get you the same result, better result. And it's going to be repeatable for you for the long term. And I mm-hmm. always tell my clients, like, I'm not going to give you any prescription movement, lifestyle, nutrition, or otherwise that you couldn't do when you're 70. So if I'm going to have you track macros for six to eight weeks, it's going to be for six to eight weeks. It's not forever because I don't mm-hmm. want you tracking your grandkids cookie on his first birthday. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's not the business that we're in. So long-term, like if someone comes to me and they're like, I want to look sexy for my wedding. I'm like, Perfect. So anything that I give you now is something that will serve you when you're 70. They're like, Mm -hmm. okay. Like fitness is an investment. It's like, if Mm -hmm. you don't have a 401k and then you're like pissed when you're retired because you don't have nothing, that's exactly what fitness is to us. And it, you know, at some, that metaphor isn't going to get me out of bed in the morning to go work out. Like, I'm not like, Mm -hmm. oh, I need my 401, my fitness 401k. But I'll tell you what, like thinking about it from, you know, a perspective of injuries and seeing people get injured, yes. seeing people get chronically sick. It's like every so often it feels good to remember, like we're just putting pennies in the piggy bank for later on. Um, and if you want to do like a super sexy macro profile, great, like go off girl. But at the end of the day, like you're going to come back to me and you're going to want the simple thing again anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you at this point just doing like one-on-one coaching or do you have other options? Like for folks who are listening and like Brie is amazing and I want to work with her. What, what can they steal in all our clients, Ash? Yeah. No. <laughs> Damn it. Hey, if every single, I, if I was Oprah and I had a billion dollars, I would give everyone a therapist and a coach both. Mm. Cause like, I can't be at all. And there, there are like, you know, um, Okay. Functional bodybuilding has two main service offerings. So there is the one-on-one coaching and that's been our primary bread and butter for a long time is this one-to-one experience where everything is unique and customized to you, your needs, your goals, your obstacles, everything. Um, I'm the coaching manager. So we have six coaches and I manage all the coaches to ensure that what they're delivering and what they're doing is right and makes sense. And that they're feeling fulfilled in their careers Um, so I take a little bit of a mentorship role as well. I started our mentorship program in 2016, um, where we were coaching other coaches in functional bodybuilding and how to deliver fitness, the way fitness and health, the way we do right now, we are taking a pause on that, but, um, I, you know, I'll talk about mentorship and coaching theory with clients, if that's something they're interested in. The other side of the business is called our persist program. So that is our group program. Marcus handwrites it. There's four different tracks for different needs. Like one's a minimalist program for traveling on the go. One's perform, which is like our CrossFit light program. Well, it's not even light. Like it's a fucking hard program, but like Hmm. it's our functional bodybuilding version of CrossFit. Um, And then that one is, if someone's interested in trying functional bodybuilding, just sign up for the first four free weeks. Like that's what I would do just to kind of see, you can see all the tracks. You can kind of see like what the programming looks like. I think they're great. Um, I will always bias myself towards coaching. Like Mm -hmm. it has been a completely transformative experience for me. I just hired a new coach in March 
to just be seen and celebrated and cared for. And, you know, I think you get a dose of that from like the community boards and group fitness programs. I think that's great because again, people need that, but there's something about a coach who's not your significant other. They're not your best friend. They're not your parent. They're like, you probably haven't even ever seen them in real life, but they know more about you than you do. And how fucking good does that feel? Right. Mm. When I'm like, Hey, I want to go on a cut because it's almost summertime. And they're like, hold on, hold on. How's your body look right now? I'm like, well, it's not that bad. All right. Then what are we doing? Like, yeah, calm down. That's Mm -hmm. the type of checks and balances. I think a lot of people need. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. 100%. I have, I just thought of a question, like an, an sign off question that I want to ask all of our guests who we don't have that many of, cause we're, we're becoming increasingly, um, picky about uh, who we have on our podcast, which I appreciate, I think, but Rachel, oh no. Yeah. No, I was gonna say, I think Bree's the first guest, but she's not, there was someone else. Oh, I think we've only had like one or two though. And yeah. I want to keep it that way because again, we're like leveling up in our life here. Like this is, this isn't about just like letting other people come on our podcast and mm-hmm. talk shit unless they're awesome and worth it. Anyway, before I do my sign off question, do you have anything else that you want to, I mean, we're obviously going to have you back on and talk about more stuff, boobs, muscles, whatever. Yeah. Um, but Rachel, did you have any other questions that you wanted to ask while we have free? I think we covered the one that I wanted to, it was more so like the body composition set. Well, it was kind of like, when we were talking about CrossFit a few weeks ago, there was like people who are in different camps when they were responding to our, <clears throat> our post. And there was like a handful of people were like, yes, when I stopped CrossFit, that's when I actually saw the body composition that I wanted. And then there was mm-hmm. other people who were like, no, like when I was doing CrossFit, like I became super strong and like all of that. And so I think those are the two camps where people are kind of like arguing about. So I was yeah. just curious, like for your experience with that and you kind of already talked about it so we don't have to dive deeper but just from like a you know perspective of if you do want to change your body composition and that is your main goal like crossfit might not be the best option for that and like why that's the case um yeah yeah. why is that you tell us why that's the case because i i said in my in my like defending our like little mini shit sesh on crossfit i was like I have talked to, you don't have to take my word for it. I have spent the last decade interviewing, talking, working with some of the best coaches, athletes, trainers, you know, functional doctors in the world. And I don't think I know anybody who would recommend CrossFit as the best way to have optimal health and body composition. Not saying you can't get jacked doing CrossFit. Obviously you can, and obviously you can get very strong. Um, but why is it, do you think, if you agree with that, why is it that you think CrossFit isn't across the board, kind of the best option for it, even though people look great when they do it? Bodybuilding as a sport is to build your body to look fucking jacked and awesome in a bikini bending over for judges. So like, yeah, (laughs) I probably would choose that modality over a sport that has no weight class that has no general guidelines around how you need to look right but we also can't talk about this topic without talking about stress and so my entire life actually up until really like i when i hired this coach i had i felt like i had zero control over how my body looked ever and the reality was because i had zero control over how i was stressing and i wasn't stressing responsibly i was stressing irresponsibly 
I was in a super toxic relationship. I was doing double days that were both really hard. I was restricting my calories to 1700 calories per day. I'm five, nine, one sixty, So that's a very small amount of calories. Um, and I was just like starting to build my coaching business. So I was putting so much gasoline on the fire. Like my baseline stress level was already so high. CrossFit is the most stressful training modality that is available to us currently, unless you are literally in a ring running from tigers, which I I haven't seen that as a sport yet. So to me, this is, you know, CrossFit is just not the way to get the body composition you want, unless you live like James Fitzgerald, you drive your Tesla, you have a $4 million house, your meals are perfect. You've been eating broccoli forever. Like unless you, your life is really it relaxed and chill. And I'm sure that he has his stuff. I, I love James. So this isn't a shit. Yes. He would actually yes. love to hear this podcast. Maybe I'll send it to him, but, um, unless we love you, James. Yeah. We love you. Just kidding. Um, unless <laughs> your life is really low stress and like pretty manageable cross, you're not going to get the results you want from CrossFit because when your stress cup is so full, that's when hormones get screwed up. And if your hormones are screwed up, everything is going to be like, they're the marionette people of this, of this, body. And so mm-hmm. I think if anybody's really trying to change their body composition, I would think a lot about mind muscle connection, trying to really stress a muscle as hard as you can, like Rachel, like going to absolute failure, like, but your effort is designed for the effort in the resistance training, not going glycolytic and, and you know, anaerobic lactic, all that stuff that we've been doing in CrossFit. It's all about like sustainable, repeatable progressive practices and CrossFit just isn't set up that way. You know, the hopper method is kind of bullshit. So yeah. Yeah. If someone wants to look good naked, just start doing functional bodybuilding, which is basically what you guys do anyways. It's like, Mm -hmm. so, and then just like, look at your food because I was not eating high quality food. I was trying, I was eating all the sugar-free bullshit stuff to fit into this little budget of food when someone should have just shaken me and been like, Hey, eat a little bit more food. That's why you're craving carbs or eat a little bit more protein. That's why you're craving carbs. Um, anyway, yeah. long-winded way of saying per usual that, you know, I think CrossFit is just not the way for people to avoid injuries and to get the body that they want or to have the relationships they want because stress cup will forever be overflowing. Yeah. Yeah. You are once again, I think, uh, great spokeswoman for our program because okay. that's what we're talking Can't about. Wait. And also it's like, we know that women too, the, the stress piece does have more of an impact. Like obviously dudes can be stressed and it impacts their health, of course, but yeah. we are hormonally more complicated and that is impacted by stress. Yeah. Um, There's more risk okay. for us too. I mean, as mm-hmm. a mom yourself, like there is way more risk for us to be stressed than for men. Like Absolutely. it sounds kind of fucked up, but it's true. It's true. We have, we have, um, women have a lot going for them that I believe is superior to men, but we also have some (laughs) burdens to bear and we have to balance that. We've got, we've got things to worry about that they do not. And that's the reality. Um, yeah. Okay. So we could do this forever and we definitely have to do it again, but I do have to hop off. So this, I mean, I feel like we covered a huge, huge amount for the beginning of this podcast. Um, and Bree, thank you so much for coming on. You're amazing. As I knew you would be like any friend of Rachel's I know is going to be smart and awesome. So, um, I can't wait until we can maybe all three be in the same place and yes. I don't know, eat some liver and do a Pilates class together. 
No, not really. Um, okay, quick, quick rapid fire questions though. I want to start asking, Rachel, if you're into this, it's, it's stupid and small, but I want to start asking everybody who comes on, what is your favorite, don't think about it, your favorite food and your favorite exercise? Favorite food is baby back ribs. Yes. <laughs> like a full ass yes. of sauce. Favorite movement right now, I am like crushing hip thrusts right now. And you're gonna say oh, right. I'm loving it. She's crushing right. it. Crushing. We were crushing we ribs. did them last weekend and I was like, damn. Damn, I'm just gonna go hide in the corner over there. Amazing. Love it. Those were <laughs> beautiful answers. Okay. Thank you so much. This Wait, was can awesome. I answer? I'm just kidding. Yeah, you answer too. Go no, for it. I don't know what my I don't even you know already what my know answer would answer. be right now. What's you split squats and squash? Obviously, squash. Yes. Squashes and splits. Uh, I'm actually digging leg press right now because it's one okay. of the only things that I can go like heavy on because my back. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, okay. And and I you? guess I guess like favorite food, dude. I mean, chocolate and pull ups. We, had to, we had to get an upper body in there. I mean, we have I, to. I, you have yeah. to. You have to. Yeah. Mostly because I suck at lower body stuff. That's for the next call. Anyway. All right, ladies. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Let's do it again. And uh, cool. Have a good day. Cool. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.